and we are recording with Dr. Kim Biss and the one and only Dr. Roger Hodkinson, leader of the resistance movement, movement, the the George Washington of our time. And uh, as we have often discussed on this podcast, eventually when I'm exiled from society and I'm doing my podcast from uh, from the mountains with a hand crank radio, Dr. Hodkinson is going to be on a cot next to me. We will be the last the last two members of the resistance eventually hunted down and we'll be executed and our heads put on a stake. But until then, it's going to be a wonderful ride. And uh, Dr. Biss now questioning uh, why she came on this show as I've opened up with that, <laughs> with that salvo. But because you've only been on here once before, Dr. Biss, if you could real quick introduce yourself to everyone. Sure. I'm Kimberly Biss. I'm an OBGYN that practices in St. Petersburg, Florida. I uh, went to um, Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts, and then I went to Tufts Medical School in Boston. I made a pit stop in Atlanta. I did a year of general surgery, and then I came down to St. Petersburg here and uh, did my OBGYN residency at the hospital that I've been on staff at ever since. I graduated in 1998, so I've been doing this for a while. Um, I'm the chief of staff of my medical staff um, at the hospital. Um, my hospital's a 400-bed level two trauma center, and we also uh, have high-risk obstetrics, and we pretty much represent every medical specialty, so we very rarely have to transfer a patient to another institution. Um, I became chief of staff uh, in January of 2020, so we had to navigate the pandemic essentially alone because uh, the hospital, the company that owned our hospital uh, is a god-awful company um, called CHS, and they're based out of Nashville. They're awful. And they were going to sell us, and we were supposed to be sold in March of that year, but the buying company didn't want to purchase a hospital in the middle of a pandemic without knowing what was going to happen. So we basically were trying to navigate this pandemic with zero dollars because our parent company didn't want to put any more money into us. I mean, we it took forever for us to even be able to do testing. We were sending all our COVID testing out to the health department. It would take weeks. <laughs> You know, we finally got a, a testing machine, but they sent us the wrong freaking test kits. You know, I mean, it was it was whatever. But somehow I survived all that. It was just crazy. <laughs> and and uh, it become it's, it's funny how the stars align. Uh, you had you had mentioned Dr. Hodkinson in a text the other day. And then my mom ac- actually texted me, I think, two nights ago and said, you haven't had on Dr. Hodkinson in a while. And I was like, well, I'll have you know. That he's coming on Sunday, and um, Dr. Hodkinson, could you please give us a and for all future listeners today is Sunday, December eighteenth, twenty twenty two. Could you give us an update on uh, where you are in your 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 personal crusade against, above all else, the the great Satan that is Anthony Fauci, and of course all of his underlings. Well, uh, the good news is I'm not in jail, um, and. Uh... <laughs> Um, of course, the College of American Pathologists, uh, of which I've been a, an honorable member, proud member for 40 odd years, they decided to get rid of me, um, even on appeal. So mm-hmm. I am about to frame that letter and uh, hang it on my wall. <laughs> um, for those that haven't heard of 
my background just very briefly cambridge graduate um living in canada um have been a assistant professor at uh, associate professor at the university of alberta doing a lot of teaching i've been the chairperson of the royal college of physicians and surgeons examination committee in general pathology uh, president of our section of the medical association um and um, I'm currently the chairman of an American um, biotechnology company based in North Carolina, doing some incredible stuff in um, DNA sequencing, about to commercialize, as a matter of fact, in the new year. Um, I've done other stuff too, but that's enough. <laughs> could you could you maybe to spearhead this on where we are with, uh, I guess, the new talking point, the, the triple-demic, and am I going to survive the winter? Dr. Hodkinson, or am I as good as dead? Well, let's take our lead from CNN, shall we? Um, you know, the, the trusted source of news. Oh, bold move. Um, uh, I heard the other day a, a very ominous statement, actually, from CNN that should galvanize us all. And the statement was this, with which I largely agree for a change. Uh, COVID is over. It's now all about climate lockdowns. That's what we're going to push in the new year. So it, if I could summarize what's happened, three years is a long time, but it's still it's still in the grand scheme of things, temporary. Um, what we we and the government have learned over the last three years is that propaganda works. And I believe this is now going to give them an incredible appetite for transitioning seamlessly into climate lockdown which will be permanent big mm -hmm. difference it really is like <clears throat> when you get the little like red notification bubble on your phone and says there's new there's a new update available you can almost sense the update where it's where it's covid wasn't quite over and then the new update was ukraine sure. but yeah you can you can feel the new update and the new update is is be scared of climate change but um dr biss your your thoughts on the the shift out of the uh out of out of the covid well i just love how it quietly goes away right i mean no <laughs> no talk about all the bullshit they put our country through and the world through the last three years i mean we had talked at your last podcast i mean there are people that have been destroyed um from this uh pandemic and the the management of it um, with lockdowns, et cetera. I mean, business has gone forever. Um, people stuck at home, you know, it, it allowed for, you know, um, drug abuse and alcoholism to worsen domestic violence. Uh, kids were out of school. I mean, we've dumbed down our kids at least two grades. And, you know, the United States isn't stellar on the education ladder anyway. Um, and I mean, people are still afraid. I told you last podcast, I mean, we have patients still coming in with two masks on my elderly yep. population they won't leave the house except to go to doctor's visits and you know they come in and they see me with masks in florida i mean the masks went away over a year ago and i tell them because you know as you can probably guess after talking to me i mean i don't filter anything and i said you know there's this thing called birth and life or and death and in between there's this thing called living and you're not doing that. I mean, we're all going to die of something. 
and you can't be afraid of a germ. You know, there's always going to be germs out there. But I mean, so much. And like I like I said last time, you know, I just I get the biggest kick out of how Deborah Burks can just go around and promote her book about how everything was bullshit that came out of her mouth. And she's not in prison. I mean, you or I would be locked up forever. <laughs> like, why do these people get a pass? Dr. Hodgkinson. Locking them up is not enough. They should swing. Like, From a tree. Like, yes. like, like they did at Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. Because the scale of what's happened this time around is infinitely greater. This madness has affected every single person on earth whether medically, psychologically, or financially, the smallest village in India, impoverished. And of course, that will only get infinitely worse with climate lockdown and a reduction in energy availability for the poorer people in the world. Mm -hmm. So this, the scale of this is unimaginable. It, in fact, according to Peter Halgan, and using Jessica Rose's uh, underreporting factor of 40, it's quite reasonable to calculate that this vaccine, so-called, this gene therapy, has actually killed 20 million people globally and has created 2 billion, big B, serious adverse effects, meaning strokes, heart attacks, pulmonary emboli, et cetera. That is the scale with which it's been that's that, that's happened, but the point is it's only now. That doesn't and that doesn't include growth of the these adverse events in the future. Does not include Dr. Dr. Biss stillbirths. Does not include the effects of ventilators and um, midazolam. It, it doesn't include the suicides. It doesn't include, that's just the medical side of it, right? And it doesn't include the likely resurgence of cancer mm -hmm. and the immuno immunosuppression resulting in the emergence of, of new infections. So I, I said 18 months, two years ago, this is the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on an unsuspecting public. And when you finally add up all those numbers a year from now, You'll be getting very close to the 40 million that Mayo killed in the great, what I call the great leap backwards. It's of that scale, that scale of carnage. So I'm calling it the big kill. It's the big kill. Never happened before anywhere close on this scale. Dr. Bess. Yeah, you brought up breast cancer. I had a patient come in to see me um, two weeks ago now, she's been a patient of mine for a long time and she owns a wig store. So she has no reason to not be able to speak her mind. And she said that over the last year, she has never seen so many women come in after chemo for breast cancer, um, to get wigs. And I will tell you, there will be people that will argue that, well, because of the lockdowns and COVID, people didn't get their screening. Well, that's bullshit here in Florida because DeSantis opened us back up in, I want to say like July of 2020. And we called every patient we had canceled their annual exam and got them back into the office. And they were delaying mammograms when the vaccines rolled out because they were finding people that got 
these, well, they're not vaccines, these jabs on the side, they got the jab, they would have a lot of weird breast findings and swelling of lymph nodes, et cetera. So they would recommend if you got a jab to delay your mammogram three months, but you know, we're not talking people were delayed for a year and a half to get their screening mammograms or whatever. And I've seen in my practice, women who are 10, 15 years from their breast cancer diagnosis, and now they have a recurrence and they've been jabbed. And there is literature showing that these jabs probably suppress the BRCA genes, which, you know, they're supposed to prevent us from getting cancer. So it's sad. And I've had patients who have relatives that have had really weird Albert cancers. Um, this one radiologist who's a patient of mine, her daughter had some weird pelvic bone tumor that only like six people ever have had. I mean, she had to take her to Miami because nowhere else in Florida did a surgeon even know what to do for this. And it was right after she got the jab, but you know, those dots aren't connected. It's, it's scary. I mean, there's going to be a lot coming down the pike. This FLCCC conference I went to, um, one of the speakers, I can't remember, you might know um, Dr. Hodkinson. Uh, he's the Brazilian, uh, he's a endocrinologist. He's also a sports medicine physician, Flavio something. He's in Brazil and he's actually doing a lot of studies on catecholamines and how they're affected after these soccer players are jabbed and dying on the pitch. But anyway, he, he gave a talk and he said, because, you know, the, um, the lipid nanoparticles are surrounding these mRNA, uh, all endocrine organs are very lipophilic and just yep. suck this stuff in. So he envisions in the future, there's going to be so many, you know, endocrine issues. And we're obviously already seeing it because, you know, with all the menstrual disorders with women, um, you know, obviously that's an effect probably on the ovaries. And what's really scary is we know that these things cross the placenta and go to fetuses. Right. And who knows, you know, a, a female is born with all the eggs she's ever going to have. And, you know, if these lipid nanoparticles are getting into those ovaries, who knows what it means for future generations? Well, it, it, I mean, it, everyone's talking about infertility now with the stats and all the rest of it. But as you described, Dr. Biss, this could actually be sterility only manifest when these little girls become of reproductive age in 20 years time, mm -hmm. by which time Burks will be dead and buried, thank God. But, <laughs> with all her scarves. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but. The legacy of this mad episode in human history, as you said, the legs it's going to get, are it, it's going to go on for quite some time. I, I'd like, Tommy, I'd like people to understand um, the the pathology of of cancer and why it's re, why it's recurring. Because many people think of the immune system as simply something that counteracts infection, which it does. But it only does that because it, it's sensing something that's not you. The bug is not you. Well, cancer isn't you. It's mutated. It's different from you. And we believe, it's hard to quantify, but we believe that it could be thousands of times a day. We don't know. There are three million cell divisions going on in our bodies every second. 
every second to replace the lining of our intestinal tract, our skin, our bone marrow, etc. Now, there is a, a quality assurance of that replication being accurate that's actually interfered with by the, the spike protein. But, but, here, but here's the point. Um, that that uh, those mutations that are occurring randomly throughout the body, probably every second or every minute of every day until we're 85, they are being knocked off with 100% efficiency by our immune system that's surveilling every nook and cranny of our body 24-7 for 85 years until we die of something else. That's how incredibly efficient that system is. That's the system they're mucking around with. And not surprisingly, we're hearing it from authorities like Dr. Dalgleish at St. George's Hospital, London, England, professor of oncology, who says, listen, um, I'm not making this up. You know, I, I'm telling you, it's it's increasing. It, uh... <clears throat> I think you're correct that we're not even going to see the full footprint of sterilization or reduced fertility. And I've, that's kind of been my theory based on nothing, but my theory just on, uh, if you wanted to do that, how would you do it without it resulting in people in the streets with torches and pitchforks is you would do it a, a delayed, uh, passive sterilization. You know, you go do a Pearl Harbor or a nine 11, you get a you're going to get a big resistance but i mean you look at the number of deaths from covid worldwide you look at the number of uh, injuries in the united states thousands of times more fatal than even the worst mass shooting we don't see it it's quiet it's someone withering away on their own it's a person you haven't talked to since high school and it turns out they have guillain barre syndrome it's someone who you know they can't have kids and that's private and they're maybe not publicizing it it's very quiet it's um as an evil thing it is it's it's impressive it's subtle it's more like special forces than an outward army but that's what it is and if you wanted to take it one step further you wouldn't even do it just like that you would spread it out over years and decades i mean I mean, you could argue that the firefighters who died from the exposure to the the nanotoxins in Ground Zero and 9-11, all of those deaths, I think, probably are attributed to the 9-11 terror attacks. But they're delayed. They're very slow. You know, there are still children in the Middle East with um, birth defects from the Pluto or the depleted uranium-tipped weapons that we were supplying back in the Cold War. But it's very it's quiet. It's delayed over a long time. And I think Dr. Hodkinson, I think you're right on target. It's Well, Tommy, um, I heard um, Malone say something recently for the first time, and I, I, it's very worrying to me because of his long history with um, bio-warfare before COVID ever happened. And it's this. It's, it's a reason to keep the manufacturing capability for mRNA vaccines warm. The new word is warm manufacturing capability. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is very simple. If China or some other rogue nation were to des design the Armageddon virus, all you would have to do 
is vaccinate your entire population, which they're perfectly capable of doing under the guise of it being an influenza vaccine or something. So you vaccinate your entire population against the Armageddon virus, and then you let it loose. Now, then there's going to be one heck of a mad scramble to vaccinate our frontline soldiers and police. And you want to have that done at the click of a finger. Would it be toxic? Yes. Would it be fully tested? No. It would be a last ditch attempt at preventing an onslaught from China. So that is a very, very interesting analysis. And it goes a bit deeper than that, in that we, we know from Paul Alexander's time in the task force, Department of Defense was in, in the office right on top of him, above him, on the next floor. Now, Malone continues that theory along these lines. It wasn't an intentional release, but the planning for the Armageddon virus response was a natural military exercise to make sure that everything was as possible as possible was, was done ahead mm -hmm. of time. But they'd never tried it out. And so along comes an unexpected opportunity that lands in their lap. And the theory is that it wasn't Burks and Fauci and Trump running the show. It was DARPA and DOD that wanted to show a trial run of how to control things. Now, it got out of control, as we know. But nonetheless, that's a very interesting theory about how this whole control and all the mandates actually came about. It's, very interesting theory. It's also uh, historically, I don't know if that's the right word, congruent, historically accurate when you look at what happened in the wake of 9-11, specifically with anthrax. But there's a re we funded everything, right? We funded... a. I think the YAL 2000, it was a laser based on a 747 to shoot down missiles. We funded everything yet because they had no idea what was going to happen. One of those things was bioterror. The idea was, is the correct terminology, keep it warm. When, when people ask, why are we still building a tank like once a month in Alabama? Well, as you keep the manufacturing lines warm, you keep the people employed, you keep these skilled workers working, you keep it up to date because when a World War II does roll around, you you don't want to be caught with your pants down and go, oh, you want to keep it warm. You want to keep it. And I, I completely understand that. And um, I'm starting to think that's what this was because it, it rolled out quickly, faster than any innovation we've ever seen before. And it was streamlined and yep. it did seem to have the markings of a military program. And I, yep. I think that's exactly, I think it's the, the adept program, Dr. McCall talked about. Well, it. they, they, they actually, it was the military that just in the States, it was military that distributed the, the, sure. the, um, the gene therapy. Yeah. It wasn't the DMV. It was the only way to get that. The only efficient part of the United States is, is, is the military. It's one thing we know how to do, but um, that's when it then comes down to is, was it botched or was it carried out perfectly? And that's something that I don't know. I don't claim to know. I'd speak for myself and, of course, not for you guys. I don't have the receipts or the fingerprints, but I don't know. I look at it and I go, 
is this a you look like the surveillance state we've built in the wake of 9-11 at first glance you might go well yeah you know it was right after this happened we the departments or the different intelligence agencies weren't communicating with one another so we you know we could we didn't pick up everything we should have noticed when uh you know these fundamentalists uh jihad is you know came to the united states and were taking plane lessons i think they wanted a program called tia total information awareness if we had known about this if we had vacuumed up every phone call okay yeah sure that makes sense the normal person would then say but it's gotten out of control in the 20 years uh, since then the cynical part of me goes this is this isn't a bug (laughs) this is a feature you take a disaster and you go oh baby time to roll this out and the, there's there's one complication that people are unaware of, the lay sure. public. Everyone's flapping their flippers because they don't have to wear masks and they can travel on airplanes now. Well, guess what? Every single one of those pilots has been vaccinated. Yeah. And yeah. we know we know we know from that umbrella organization that represents pilots internationally that the pilots themselves, even though they may be suffering chest pain of various types and not reporting it because they don't want to be grounded mm-hmm. and we know from mccullough and the 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 adrenaline surge and all that and sudden adult yeah we got two pilots up there but when you listen to these pilots there's a critical two minutes of takeoff and landing mm-hmm. and if one of them got really goes down during that two minutes it's a wish and a prayer that the, the co-pilot can take control and land that plane safely. So I, I think there's going to be a big one. There's going to be a big one somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, my father-in-law, this, this is a story I wanted to tell you too, Tommy, about sure. uh, President Bush. It's kind of sort of go off topic, but yeah, go for it. My father-in-law was a pilot and, um, the, you know, the FAA violated their own law uh, because, you know, pilots get a full physical and mental evaluation every six months and they're never allowed to be on any experimental medications right. for the precise reason you just gave. And that's why I will tell you, I, I'm not getting on any planes for a while because I, I think we, uh, it was an Australian uh, pilot who heads like the pilot union or something. Yep. And he was talking about that and about how, yeah, I mean, there's two, you know, takeoff and landing. And if the main pilot goes down, the co-pilot may not have enough time to, you know, write the plane. But anyway, um, so interesting story. My father-in-law uh, was in the air force and he was in Vietnam and he flew F4 Phantom fighter jets, which were two pilot jets. And he had completed two tours and they told him that he could go home. But, you know, these pilots love to fly and the other issue, and I hope my mother-in-law never sees this video, but he probably didn't want to come home to my (laughs) mother-in-law. Shots fired. (laughs) So he elected to stay. And his first flight on his third tour his plane got shot down and we actually have the footage uh because at the time uh the the japanese version of the pbs that we have here in the states was doing a documentary on the militia that used to hide underneath uh, the ground in tunnels etc 
And we have the footage of his plane being shot down and he was actually shot down by a female militia. And there were two planes shot down and all four pilots ejected. And as soon as my father-in-law ejected, he broke several vertebrae on his back and landed on the ground and was wheelbarrowed to a undisclosed prison camp for three years. And then the final four, he was in Hanoi. So he knew, um, who's he watching now? My brain is John flight. McCain. Huh? John McCain. Yes. Thank you. So anyway, um, he was brought back in 73 and he was not allowed to fly commercial planes because even though he was dropping napalm on small targets, he didn't have a college degree. So he went to college and got a degree in uh, psychology and he flew a little bit more for the Air Force. And then he ultimately retired as the private pilot for the CEO of Citibank. So where this gets to Bush is that um, President Bush Sr. used to like to fly with my father-in-law because he was a pilot and my mm -hmm. father-in-law would let him fly his jet. <laughs> 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 they wouldn't do that on air force one i don't know why <laughs> no 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 well, I, I, i've heard also from the inside that the c-suite now of multinationals is demanding that the pilots of their private jets are unvaccinated oh geez. Huh. Huh. yeah huh. You, you can always tell where the true belief in this stuff exists when it comes to wealthy people or heads of state you know, if they really believe a bulletproof vest works, they'll wear it. You know, if it comes down to it's just your pilot on your G6. Did you get the jab? It's safe and effective. Shut up. Did you get it? <laughs> no, you're fired. Yeah, I'm good. I'm unvaccinated. So it appears that there are some job openings for me. if The podcast doesn't pan out. But <laughs> I. I think you're right, Dr. Hodkinson. I think there will be a big one. I think you'll see a 747 or an Airbus A380. Mm -hmm. And there will be a a three ring circus of a cover up, and yep. you, everyone will be asking, "Well, what was it? What was it?" And it'll be interesting, actually. Now that I kind of walk this out, because if you have a Boeing or an Airbus, they're not just gonna bend over and be like, "Oh, it was just our plane." They're gonna be like, "No, no, 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 no. Our plane's fine. It's perfect, right?" The manufacturers aren't gonna want any shade thrown on them. They're not going to release the vaccination status. Everyone's going to ask about it. If you ask about it, you'll be censored. I imagine it will just kind of wargaming this in my mind. It will eventually be culminating with Elon Musk tweeting about it. And uh, that will be a watershed moment. I also see it as a uh, as an Overton window that these people are evil. They will use this to their advantage. It will start with car crashes and plane crashes. And then instead of looking at it and going, we were wrong, they're going to say, we didn't know. We did it for grandma. But now this is why uh, we can't have we can't have self. We can't have uh, people driven cars anymore. This is why we can't have uh, pilots anymore. So it all needs to be automated. And by the way, directly under our control, but it all needs to be automated because we don't know what's going to happen. That's what's going to that's what's going to happen. There will be a big one, but I don't think it will have the change we want it to have. I think they'll use it to usher in some some new legislation or some new regulation that will further strip away 
uh, our freedoms, even if it just means the freedom to get behind the wheel of a car. That's still a big freedom. Your 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 ability to travel. Right. I think that's what it will probably be. I I, I don't know, but it'll, I think well, it will be um, um, so long as you limit your ride to 15 minutes you've heard about the new <laughs> idea Wait, the 15 minute city it's it's being prototyped in oxford england my daughter's just finished a phd there uh it's also being talked about in milan in paris and melbourne a fifth you can only drive for 15 minutes and that well, means you get, of course, you get like a hundred chances you can go beyond that yeah. okay. for the that year means, that, 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 of course, is the final nail in the coffin of the high street. It's already been decimated because of lockdowns and people buying on, on, on the Internet and Amazon. The final death knell will be you will not be able to travel downtown. 15 minutes to flatten the curve. That's where it's going to be. Fauci's <laughs> going to be the head of transport. Watch. It's coming. But I'm also, I'm also hopeful because... Um, I don't think it was in the uh, in their plans to have Elon Musk buy Twitter, and you know if he's able to release Twitter files showing direct collusion between the U.S. national security apparatus—not not collusion, but outright using Twitter under the guise of it being a private company to quash foreign opponents—not foreign opponents, excuse me, political opponents—then I don't think it's above Elon to start finding I, I would i would go on a prediction right now sunday december 18th 2022 how long until one of the files starts to show that's not just the u.s government that there's a liaison office with pfizer or moderna mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean how long how long until that's gonna and it, it, and it might be a shell game it might not be them it might be the department of health and human services but that's what we're gonna see this is exactly what it's gonna be how long well, let's hope let's out? hope when when trump gets in again or maybe DeSantis. um you know you guys down there you're the last hope for democracy yeah. if you go down if there's another four years of idiocy um all bets are off yeah it's uh it's interesting that's about that's about what i can describe it as now the situation we're in as a country and as a world is it's interesting? The movie's interesting. It's there are a lot of characters, and I don't know which way the. I don't think it's over. I think if it was over, I think if there had been a successful global coup, we wouldn't be having this discussion. There wouldn't be an open internet. Elon wouldn't have bought Twitter. It'd all be over. I think there's still a chance we can win. Now, I'd like to also well, clarify uh, that I have no idea how it is we're going to win, but I still think we can. I I think I'm an optimist. But I, I believe that for meaningful change in the way democracy actually operates, the great unwashed have got to be much more educated and made angry. And you don't make people angry by continuing to be nice. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's got, I, I'm actually pleading for them to make it worse. Please make it worse. Make it draconian worse. Because only by doing that will the great unwashed get angry enough to rise up and create an alternative future. Dr. Hodkinson, the accelerationist. But I think that's where it's going. 
I think it's that's what it's gonna be. It's hard to care. Yeah, it's hard to I care because I'm I I read and watch the news and understand the hellscape that we're going to. But I also get to do a podcast for a living. I get to email and talk to whoever I want, whenever I want, from my bedroom. So I mean like I don't think I'm necessarily like a normal statistic. But yeah, I mean, if you're just going to your job, ordering dominoes, getting drunk, what do you care? It's going to be when it starts to get worse and worse and worse that uh, it's going to get even And on top of that, not just personally worse, but there's been one driver for change historically, and it's, it's external threat, not internal decay. Yeah. External threat. And, you know, when, when China starts showing its teeth um, in more obvious ways, um, that may also be something that uh, wakes people up. Of course, if they don't, if they don't implode in, in the meantime, which, of course, would be a one, wonderful ending. But there's, there's, one, there's one thing, carry away message I like to everyone to operationalize in their everyday life. And it's so easy to remember because it's called A, B, C. Don't forget, anywhere but China. You don't feed your enemy. They're coming <laughs> to kill us. It's like 1933 all over again. You don't buy from China, period. Mm-hmm. We need to be self-sufficient. It's ridiculous. I mean, being in the medical profession, every single day we have a shortage of this, that, or the other medication. It's just, it's crazy. We we can do everything that we outsource. We can do on our own soil and we need to come back to that and not to be selfish, but yes, Governor DeSantis would be an awesome president of our country, but I would really need for him to stay in Florida. <laughs> Very, <laughs> selfish of you. Very selfish. He of needs you. to govern our state. <laughs> you know, that, that was one of the big things lessons that when trump was still president one of the big big realizations it, it all started in a small way realizing that 90 percent of our pharmaceuticals originate from china in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. that's how that's how the germ started in his mind and then that expanded of course into trying to repatriate as much manufacturing facility as possible back anywhere but china um, because the strength of an economy and the strength of a healthcare system which on which the economy depends the strength of an economy is based upon making stuff things you can hold it's not based upon exotic services like banking and insurance and financial services no it's based upon making things and other, if you don't make the stuff that you're using you're extremely vulnerable to to countries like china yeah, no, it's it's a strong manufacturing base because it's all well and good when life is peachy, but if there's a war and uh, our services uh, delivering delivering dominoes, it's not gonna it's not gonna fare too well. But I do think that it, it you know you said earlier about three years seems like a long time, but it's a blip in the in the in the big picture. I mean, let's just look at the last three years. Let's go to Sunday, December 18th, 2019. It wasn't a Sunday, whatever. But what were the the modes of communication for the masses? Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, YouTube. I think Rumble has grown 
like 40 times in size since last summer. And it was almost non-existent the summer before that. I think Spotify has grown almost 100% in the last three years. And then you just have the outright creation of other platforms. I mean, the very talk about freedom of speech and who owns which platform wasn't even a discussion three years ago. It was just more of like a fun fact. Who owns Twitter? It's Jack Dorsey. Ding, ding, ding. Whatever. It's something you do at trivia. Versus now, the fact that it is the central story. Not what's going on on these platforms, but the fact that they exist. That's why I'm still hopeful. Is because what we've seen is a lot can happen in three years. And, yep. and you know, in many ways, it's gotten far worse than I ever could have imagined. But in other ways, it's also gotten a lot better and more resilient. I mean, three years ago, if you had told me I was going to get banned from YouTube, I'd just say, oh, shit. Well, I guess it's not going to work. Versus like, well, no, you're going you're gonna to go post on other platforms and be fine. So I just, I don't know. I prefer to stay optimistic and think, what is the ne- what do the next three years hold? Who knows? Maybe in three years we're doing a podcast can you, going, can you believe Fauci's in Guantanamo Bay? I mean, what a turn of events. Like, I didn't see. Now, it might be worse. It might be in three years. It's, it's Dr. Hodkinson and I out in the woods with some rifles being like, all right, watch my back. I got to take a shit. I don't know that. Yeah. The phone. Yeah. We might not have phones. I don't know. You have a flip phone. Yeah. It's a flip phone. That's awesome. I love you. You can't track, you can't track me. Well, they'll, they'll, they will not out in the, not where we're going. It might be us boiling water going. I, you know, I never thought Fauci was going to be president. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm not arrogant. I know it could get worse, but it's not, optimistic saying it could get better because in many ways we've seen it get a lot better in the last three years more people have become open to the idea of that the government isn't doing the right thing and that corporations will rape and pillage you i know that's a funny thing to say i can't believe you didn't believe that but we've now seen it i mean even for me i you know i was into every conspiracy there was three years ago but i never thought the fda and the cdc would do something but those are doctors well, okay, and now we're here, and it's like, all right, so those are demons, but I think another three years could, could hold even more growth. I don't... Tommy, let, let's talk about what you just said a bit more, sure. Dr. Dr. Biss and me, medically speaking, the CDC. For, for people that are listening that are not in medicine, there's only two sides to medicine. It's what have you got and what do you do about it? <laughs> what do you do about it other than operations and and antibiotics, what do you do about it? We, we cure we cure very little surgery and antibiotics. The rest of it, every time you go to see your doctor, he gives you that bit of paper and says, "Try this," because he knows that what you don't know that most drugs don't work in most people. But here's the point. Here's the point. Just about everything we do outside of surgery and antibiotics is for chronic diseases that we don't know the cause of and we try to mitigate, we don't cure it. And we give people pills for that. Now those pills are only on the market because they pass some kind of process in the FDA and the CDC. Can you see what this does to to medicine? (laughs) The very essence of treating chronic disease is pills. Mm -hmm. Now there's a legal principle. If you lie on one thing, you've lied on everything. How do, I, I trashed Kennedy's autism 
triple va triple um, vaccine theory. I trashed it as an academic. You know, really, the CDC said it was okay. I believed the CDC. Mm -hmm. Now trust has totally gone out of the window. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Who knows if any of the medicines we prescribe are really safe and really effective? Yeah. Can I chime in on the on the vet? Because I'm the same way. I mean, I I would have a lot of conversations with my pregnant patients about, um, you know, because a baby can't leave a hospital until it receives the hepatitis B vaccine, which I find incredulous because that's a sexually transmitted or needle transmitted disease. Why the hell are we giving it to a newborn? But a lot of my patients would ask about, you know, is there any link with vaccines and autism? And I would always argue no, but I have definitely gone down that rabbit hole. And I wanted to bring up because Tommy and I had talked about Dope Sick, the movie about the Sackler drug family and OxyContin and how they went and they paid the FDA to be able to put on their labeling non-addictive. Well, in my world, Merck, did this a similar thing with the Gardasil vaccination. They only studied Gardasil, which is the HPV vaccine, um, Tommy, for five years. And they only proved that it prevented uh, pre-cancer of the cervix. They never proved it prevented invasive cancer. They went to the FDA and they said, will you please allow us to put in our packaging that our vaccine prevents cancer. And the FDA said, okay. And so they came out and marketed their vaccine as the first vaccine to ever prevent cancer, which is utter bullshit. And actually last week or the week prior, Stanford came out with a study showing over the last 10 years, the invasive cervical cancer rates have been slowly increasing. So these Gardasil vaccines are not doing what they're supposed to be doing but it's a similar situation i mean the fda is just paid off to you know pass all this crap and i you know it's a perfect business model for big pharma because we're always going to be sick right i mean if they made us better they wouldn't have a a, a client base but i i started you know um questioning all that too with medication because you know i uh for almost five years now i've been eating uh, the ketogenic way. And, um, you know, there's a movie, there's a documentary out on uh, on um, Netflix about the perfect pill or something and how as physicians, we're all taught, you have this problem, here's a pill, you have this problem, here's a pill, but you never get down to, gee, if somebody actually lost 50 pounds in exercise, they may not need these five medications that they're on. I mean, these poor 80 year olds that are on you know, 20 medications. It's ridiculous. Tell me, when I came down with really bad COVID and was treated at home by my wife and my GP, when I was better, my GP said, Roger, I think you should go and see a naturopath. Mm -hmm. Now, I rolled my eyes. I'd always thought they were quacks. Mm -hmm. Total quacks. Not now. But I went anyway. <laughs> Became good friends with this guy. When I, when I walked in the first time, you know what I told him? I said, Dr. N, I'd just like you to know I'm a fraud. I'm not actually Dr. Hodgkinson at all. Um, I'm actually Humpty Dumpty. And I want your job is to put me back together again. 
and and he did that <laughs> he did that mm -hmm. and i am eating humble pie now yeah. about naturopaths mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's there's nothing wrong with it as long as you acknowledge you didn't know i mean i mean ram da not ram das uh formerly known as uh richard alpert was good friends with Timothy Leary. They were both uh, psychologists and psychiatrists at Harvard in the 60s. And they were all about the newest models and the newest SSRIs, and you got to do this and you got to do that. And then when they both went and tried psychedelic mushrooms, I think Timothy Leary said, I learned more in seven hours than I have in 27 years. Now, that's obviously different. That's for, that's for the mind, but I think the lesson holds true is that uh, there's sure there's a lot of quacks and there's a lot of bullshit, but you got to eat the humble pie and you got to start looking at things and going, maybe everything isn't a pill. Maybe there are some like core tenements of get eight hours of sleep, stay hydrated, exercise every day, some sort of meditation or prayer, something to find some inner peace. Uh, keep your mind sharp. Oh, you know, always be learning and reading and get some sunshine. Some pretty basic things that really do solve a lot. And then I think what this has really done in terms of like shifting the Overton window, it's like no one's ever questioned that there's, you know, evil in government and that banks are evil. But again, myself included, just three years ago, it's like, oh, no, no, the, the people in white coats, they're, they're angels. They can do no wrong. And I still believe most of them are that. But this has also changed my mind irreversibly on just how evil some people can be. And they can hide behind that that almighty altar of the practice of medicine. I think that's the silver lining we're going to get from this is you're going to have a lot of people who are looking at every pill and going, do I need this? And some of them, they might do their own research and go, yeah, I do think I do need this. That's fine. But I think there's a lot of people that are also going like, maybe I should just stop eating McDonald's every day. And maybe they are lying. And maybe this company is making a lot of money off of me being perpetually sick. And we probably... And, and 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 be careful of who you vote for look what's happening in california now physicians could go to jail if they right. actually dared to give a patient a balanced view of informed consent my god that's that's almost like now, that's I, almost like I, jail. I paraphrase that for anyone that's lay people thinking about voting government is your new doctor yeah. be worried be very worried because when that door used to be closed and you had a private confidential conversation with your respected gp or specialist you could you could you you would expect the truth no more trust has gone in medicine we've earned that we were the most respected group in society we've earned that doctor title over centuries we've earned it We've earned it, but you can lose it in a second. I think it's a that... terrible, terrible time for medicine. But I think there is one truth that most people will eventually come around to. And, and if I'm incorrect, somebody please email me or comment. But when in all of human history, across every empire, over every millennia, over every continent, somebody, I, I sincerely mean this, 
Give me an example of when censorship was done by the good guys. And I'm not trying to be an asshole. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll admit it and I'll be like, hey, I had no idea that it happened 500 years ago in this city and it saved everybody's life. I'm not I'm not arrogant of that. That might be true. Just in general, when has it ever been effective? When has it ever been, excuse me, not effective, it's effective. When has it ever been done by the good guys? And I hope that kernel of truth can act like a, as a sort of North Star for people. And no matter what cognitive dissonance they're deluded to or what uh, political bias they have to kind of see through and distorts their vision, myself included, uh, I do hope that it will be some sort of true North and a compass uh, on when, when has mass censorship ever been done by the good guys? When has it ever helped more people than it's harmed? And I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, somebody please comment it. I, I don't know. I'm willing to say never. I'm I'm willing to say never. But what do I know? I'm a I'm apparently I'm a I'm a straight white male, and that makes me well, a Nazi well, and a demon. One one of the one of the really <laughs> positive things one of the really positive things that's come out of COVID is because of because of um, of um, Musk um, revealing the control of big tech by government. <laughs> And feeding them the lies and the the, the suppression and the, the propaganda, I mean that realization that the suspicions were actually true. I mean that that uh, that that does bode well. There's some Absolutely. reason for optimism if Absolutely. if those large companies can now be brought to task. Absolutely, and even if they're not brought to task, but just you put it in the public consciousness of you go. Uh, that wasn't a conspiracy. Because all that is just truth builds upon truth. And you can look you know, at it. Yeah. If there's one lesson to be learned from American politics over the last little while, it's simply this. Lock your door and own a gun. When, everyone's, when anyone's accusing you of X, <laughs> you can guarantee they are doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. You're a bigot. You're a racist. Let me guess. You think all white people are evil. Like, yeah, you can. Love has no age. You're a pedophile. I mean, come on now. Come on now. I mean, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it is a form of identification, right? The who smelt it, dealt it. And someone's like, I'm just worried about all the Nazis and the fascists. And it's like, what's your opinion on government enforced vaccine? I mean, it's, it's a sort of, uh, you can tell. And there's also another funny one. And it's, uh, yeah, the more, uh, the more multicolored someone's hair is, the more toxic they are, much like a fish in the wild, much like chameleons, much like <laughs> flowers. The most mult, the hot pink of chameleon, you don't eat it because it is just full of cyanide or whatever. It's full of a neurotoxin. That's another true one is, uh, yeah, somebody with a uh, bright blue hair. St stay far away. Stay far away. They want you it, dead. Is, is white okay? White's White, perfect. Awesome. You're perfect, Doctor Hodgkinson. <laughs> okay, Don't ever forget okay. that. You you okay. are infallible. You are perfect. You you are a you are a guardian. Never angel. change. <laughs> You're a guardian angel looking over us lesser humans from from on high. It's uh Doctor Hodgkinson does it well, but he he for the podcast he takes off the halo and he puts the wings behind his shoulders. He's actually an angel. I have evidence. I have the documents. Except on Halloween, I I put a, a Howard Hughes wig on uh, for Halloween. I look, I look quite, I look quite different. <laughs> With that, Doctor Hawkinson, Doctor Biss, 
let's wrap this one up. I'd love to have you guys on again sometime. And um, yeah, stay optimistic. Keep fighting the good fight. And uh, Churchill's feel- victory sign. Yes. If you ever feel like giving up, just look at a picture of Anthony Fauci and ask yourself, is that the bully I'm letting beat me? Is that him? Anthony Fauci. That's the guy that you're going to have. All right. I mean, chop your balls off and return them, but look at Anthony Fauci and tell me that's the guy that you're going to let win. I'm going to bully you. No, I mean, come on. Come on. At very least, just go, that fucker right there, that's the one you're letting steamroll you. Listen, man, then you don't deserve freedom if you give it up to that guy, if you give it up to that little bitch rat. But, excuse my French. Dr. Hodkinson, Dr. Biss, thank you so much for coming on here. And uh, I'll send it to you guys when it's up, and uh, I'd love to do it again. Yes, let's. Happy holidays. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, everybody. Dr. Hodkinson, thank you. Dr. Biss, thank you. God bless, everybody.